Some bonds last a lifetime. Some bonds inspire confidence. And some you grow to rely on. These are the bonds worth investing in. For nearly 50 years, PIMCO has reinvented fixed income to create opportunities for investors in every market environment. So no matter what happens, you can build the bonds that mean the most to you. PIMCO, a global leader in active fixed income. Learn more at PIMCO.com bonds. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Consult your investment professional before investing. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Apparently, America wants to do what Americans do best. Shop, carouse, gamble, generally have a good time. When they're allowed to do those things, our country looks a lot more like the juggernaut it used to be. And so does the stock market. That's the only way to interpret the incredible pin action that we got today from ADP's incredible report. It's their national employment report, and it showed that private sector employment decreased by just 2.76 million jobs last month, when most economists were expecting something more like 9 million. That and some early positive data about the opening of restaurants, retailers, and casinos are how the Dow surged 527 points today. S&P jumped 1.36%. NASDAQ gained 0.78%. We're gaining back all our losses here, people. Now, uh, you see this kind of animal spirits of the market coalescing with the pent-up demand from ravenous consumers, and you get the insane gains like we saw. By the way, taking us to the most overbought level, 11.1 on the S&P short-term oscillator since July 24, 2009. Now, usually that'd be a frightening level. Remember, anything above, above seven. But do you know that anytime it's been this high, it's actually okay. We'll have to do more on that later this week. Look, I know there was a time, really not that long ago, when a month with 2.76 million job losses would have been considered horrifying. We'd be going full Pete Seeger. I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night, alive as you and me. And we'd put mattresses on the roof of our car, Tom Jode style, because that's a grapes of wrath kind of number. Not now, though. See, today, we cheered when we saw that ADP report. Even though it could potentially be an aberration, a number that's too bullish, we'll find out for sure on Friday when we get the Labor Department's non-farm payroll report. On the other hand, it might not be an outlier. And if this ADP data is representative, it is huge. The biggest problem in this economy is unemployment. I can't think of anything more positive than the job market being in much better shape than we thought. No wonder we've seen a wholesale shift in what stocks people are buying and selling here. The V, the v for victory economy is back in play, which means many will rotate out of the COVID stocks and head for greener pastures before they even see better numbers. Yep, we're looking at a classic Awaken America rotation that's about a resurgence of shopping, chowing down, and the roar of big-time commerce. Think of it as a return to normalcy trade, and that's how you get everything from Nordstrom to Kohl's to Foot Locker Roaring, along with the railroads like Norfolk Southern and Union Pacific, and the industrials like Cummins, Caterpillar, Honeywell, and even Boeing, which trades as though the 737 MAX is on the verge of being approved by the FAA. It's, a, it's cheesecake time in America. 
That's right. It turns out that if you open it like Cheesecake Factory, they will come, which is why even that hallowed institution is crushing the numbers. Remember, some of these retailers were supposed to be out of business by now. And we're even skipping rent, as Cheesecake Factory did in April. Same for the cruise lines. Hey, nice save, Jay Powell. But almost no major corporation goes out of business in this happy year, aside from small businesses, which are hanging on by a thread here thanks to the pandemic. Remember that? And the looting that's happening in conjunction with the otherwise totally justified George Floyd protests. So what do you do here? First off, you have to know where the money's coming from to buy stocks. Bonds sold off hard today. Hey, who needs bonds when we're looking at a genuine economic recovery? Maybe even a V-shaped recovery that seems a lot more likely after today's terrific payroll data from ADP. Investors also dumped the drug stocks. They've been popular favorites, particularly the ones that have been boosted by their attempts to fight COVID-19, but also the anti-cancer plays, all right? Regeneron has both, and it got hammered mercilessly, and I think they're doing well. The major drug stocks either got pummeled or badly lagged the averages. They're too consistent for this market. Third, gold's in the crosshairs. Well, remember, uh, you don't need a safe haven if the economy's already coming out of what may be the shortest depression in history. We just did a negative piece on gold uh, earlier this week. Thank you, Carly Garner. And it looks like she was right to be concerned. Fourth, you have to suspend the stay-at-home theme. Even if they work from home, stocks are still working. They're two different things. People are still working remotely. But now they're allowed to go outside most places. They're not staying locked up or cooped up inside all day. So people sold the video game stocks hard because now you're more likely to be out playing games and say, hey, Dave and Buster, an outfit that looks like it was on death's door a few weeks ago. You stopped cooking. So even when Campbell's Soup reports a terrific number like they did this morning, Nobody really cares. Hey, I don't know about you, but I am done doing the dishes. <laughs> done. The wiping, you know, it's not that. It's like, oh, you can't just put it in that thing. Whatever that thing is, you got to wipe them down. Why? If they, the water comes down, they, no, you got to wipe them. I'm sick of that. Anyway, the uh, pantry stocks are suddenly going out of style, too, uh, with the Wall Street Fashion Show. We'll learn more when we speak to B&G Foods. You know them as Green Giant later in the show. Sick of that stuff like I am? No, very good stuff. stuff. And, of course, Fang is out, Uh, although some of those stocks were able to rally today. Apple, for example, was boosted by Katie Ubery of Morgan Stanley. She's the axe in the name, and she says Apple service revenues will be off the charts when the company reports. Smells like an upside surprise to me. No, you don't sell Fang, but I'm giving you the lay of the land. And that's the essence of the rotation. So what's worth buying here? Okay, you need, first of all, Easy compares, as we call it. Now, I start with something like Stanley Black & Decker. Again, this is historical now. The toolmaker that this very morning put out a statement saying they expect organic revenue, dec- uh, revenue to decline 15 to 20%. Decline. Now, in absolute terms, that's horrendous, right? But a couple weeks ago, Stanley Black was talking about doing a 20 to 30% decline over the same period. In other words, this was a major positive driven by strong performance in tools, storage, and global security. So the stock jumps a quick 5%. With those businesses rebounding like crazy, it makes sense that we'd see record highs and lows in Home Depot as we did. Meanwhile, if people are shopping again, does that mean it's safe to go beyond individual retailers? Maybe put some money in some of the world's largest shopping mall owners? Bingo! Simon Properties, which I told you is good. SPG, it's got an 11.5% yield here, even, even after the stock rallied nearly $10 today. We know Simon's committed to maintaining that dividend, and if retail's coming back from the dead, then they should be able to cover it. They've given out $33 billion in dividends in the past. Oh, and who does better when people are out and about, maybe even thinking more positive? The banks! They can finally play catch-up, especially the ones with big brokerage businesses, thanks to the success of the Warner Music IPO today. 
yeah, the stock exploded higher, showing you the brokers are trying to entice people back into the market, which is why that's exactly what to do with being the IPO. Uh, so you better get some Zoom info if you can. I, well, it's tomorrow morning. All I can tell you is, is that at the beginning of a run of IPOs, the brokers just met, let you win. It's kind of like it's kind of like a you know, casino where they're giving you the right cards. Plus, we love the gamble. Speaking of that, when opens for business and what do we find out? Damn, the plexiglass full bets ahead. Uh, the numbers look much better than expected. The whole group on that news. Now, there's some legitimate worries here if you think about what's working today. If people are going out shopping, mingling, that means they're gathering again, which puts us at risk of another COVID-19 outbreak, the scientists say. But with the worst hotspots contained, people just don't seem concerned about this pandemic. Also, keeping people inside in March or April is just a lot easier than keeping people inside in June. On top of that, it seems almost absurd that there could be so much shopping and house hunting during a pandemic when we've got protests and riots all over the country. But look at it another way. While 20 million people are on unemployment insurance, you've still got a core group of employed people who are desperate to go out. Many of these people sold stocks, spent next to nothing for the next three months. As the market recovers, they went very much to return to normalcy. They're going to RH and buying furniture. The bottom line. I can't tell you what normalcy looks like in a country in terms of systemic racism or the coronavirus. But if there's one thing I know about America, it's that normalcy is shop until you drop. And today's action says that's exactly where we're headed. Andy in Florida. Andy. Hey, Jim. I'd like to talk about U.S. Steel a few years ago. I traded in a range of 50 to $60 recently. It hit an all-time low of $4.54. I bought options, played the balance. Before earnings, it looked strong. And I know President Trump was pro-steel. And I know there are some shorts on there. I just don't know how much is on there. Well, look, you I don't want to trade. I don't want to trade the worst. I want to own the best, which is Newcourt 44. I see steel getting a little stronger. I want you to buy Newcourt 44. Let's go to Dan in California. Dan! Jimmy Chill. The Chill Man in the house. Sunny, big sunny San Diego booyah. Oh, I love San Diego. I love it. Nice beach there. Hey, Jim, yeah. did you know that San Diego is the birthplace to one of the greatest Philadelphia Eagles of all time? No, I did not know this. This is a quiz, and I don't know the answer. Six-time Pro Bowler Bill. back when Pro Bowlers actually meant something. You still no. don't know. Not Chuck, and Number not Bill. Twenty one, Eric Allen. Eric Allen, born and raised in I San saw Diego. The touch, I saw yeah. the run back. T- I saw the run back touchdown. I was there. I was there for the run back touchdown. That's one hundred and three yards, you know. Yes, it was, it was 103 yards. I can, I can actually do it right here. I can do 103 yards right here, and I can do it, and, it, and it'll be a half hour slower than he did it. How can I help? <laughs> Hey, one more thing about Eric Allen. The guy does not have a gold blazer in the closet. He's never been to Canton, Ohio. Well, that's outrageous. After the show's over, I'm going to rectify that. I'm going I'm to put my N95 on. I'm going to do all the stuff that you need to get to Canton. And we'll get that fixed. How can I help you? <laughs> all right, buddy. I've taken all your advice, and I've profited very well from it over the years, especially with the FANG stocks and the COVID stocks lately. But... Now we're in the anti-COVID stocks. But go ahead. To ring the register. All right. So I'm thinking about cashing out a little bit and buying a stock that actually reminds me of number 21, Eric Allen. This stock pays a nice dividend, but it gets very little respect. Um, it's down over 20% okay. this year from its high. I'm talking about another California company, Sempra Energy. Jeff Martin. 
Jeff Martin's got game. I like that. He knows I'm an Eagles fan. He feels for me until we won the Super Bowl. I think you're right. I think that's a good stock. Remember, now we're in the stocks that do better when the COVID epidemic's done. But I think I think that's a great company. It's a great company. And Jeff's doing what's right with trying to hold back a little bit on that LNG plan. We don't want all that money spent. All right. We're looking at a classic Awaken America rotation. This market is proof that America wants to do what Americans do best. And even though it's overbought, the records show it can go higher. On Man Money tonight, can Zoom continue to Zoom higher after earnings? I'm going to give you my take on the company's potential trajectory. Then, it's a new way for promising companies to come public. But are the red-hot SPACs in this market still worth considering? You'll hate me at the end of that piece. And B&G Foods said sales soared during the pandemic. But can the move continue? I'm going to talk with the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day, clearly and concisely, in context and with perspective, and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today. How do you value a stock like Zoom Video, which reported one of the biggest upside surprises I've ever seen in my entire life last night? Zoom's got 169% revenue growth, and they beat their own guidance by 64%. How do you put a price on a company that raised its full-year revenue forecast from $910 million to $1.79 billion instead of 46% growth year-over-year? They've got 187% growth. This is a company that was supposed to earn 11 cents a share. Instead, it earned 44 cents, forcing analysts to raise their annual earnings estimates from 45 cents up to $1.13. I know the stock already had a monster run going into the quarter, but after these numbers, I have to say, I know what it's worth. It's worth more than it was the day before and more than it was today, and be more than worth worth it is tomorrow. In other words, it's worth a heck of a lot more than it's trading for. No wonder the stock soared 7.6% today, and you got to hope the stock goes down so you can get in. I just don't know if it will. Zoom Video is one of these companies whose time has come. In a few months, it's gone from 20 million users to 300 million users. Boatloads of people and businesses are paying up for its special products. It's incredibly easy to set up. And now the whole analyst community is struggling with how to value the darn stock. On the one hand, this may be the best quarter we've ever seen from an enterprise software company. On the other hand, Zoom got a huge bit boost from COVID-19 and the shelter-in-place orders. So some analysts are indeed worried about what comes next as the economy reopens. I think this is no longer about the pandemic, though. Even though Zoom Video is now worth $63 billion, with a stock that's more than tripled for the year, that's because the company has taken over the world. In just a couple of months, it's got a beloved product. You know it's big because Zoom is already a verb like Google. 
So I think the stock has more room to run. It was almost surreal listening to the analysts talk about Zoom's rise as a preamble to their questions on last night's conference call. Here's Patrick Wall Ravens from JMP, quote, so Eric, and that's Eric Yuan, the CEO, you started as an enterprise company, but now so many individuals are using Zoom to connect with their friends and families and classmates. When I go to say goodnight to my daughter at night, I get a lot of daddy. I'm talking to my friends. Come back later, end quote. This is actually in a conference call. You expect these people to be a lot more jaded and cynical. Here's another one from Ryan McWilliams at Stevens, Inc. He explains, quote, I just attended a Zoom wedding last month and it went great. And my own wedding in September might be over Zoom. So I just want to say thank you for a backup plan, end quote. And then there's the hard-bitten Heather Bellini from Goldman Sachs, who starts off by saying, look, I just wanted to say, first of all, Thank you for the company and with your steering acting the way it did over the last few months, which has been just such a trying time for so many. But not only obviously did you enable all of us to stay in touch and working, but just being able to still connect with friends, the family and friends. So thank you. I think on behalf of everybody, end quote, holy cow, on a conference call. Yuan's remarkably modest about this stuff. He gives, he gives credit to a whole host of companies from Amazon Web Services to Oracle, to Atlassian, Equinox, HubSpot, Okta, PagerDuty, SurveyMonkey. He didn't even have a bad word to say about RingCentral, which is trying to move into this business, nor Slack, nor Microsoft. Plenty of TAM, total adjustable market to go around. That's why when I ask when, where Zoom can go, my answer is higher. And when pressed, my answer is higher still. Stay with Kramer and don't miss tonight's special at 7 p.m. Eastern. You know who it's with? It's with my friend Scott Wattler. Tonight at 7 p.m., crisis in America. There's a scarcity of black leadership in technology. One CEO who made it talks about what needs to change in Silicon Valley. Plus, the head of the Nevada Gaming Control on the high stakes of tomorrow's reopening of Las Vegas casinos and race relations and sports. All tonight at 7 p.m. with Scott Wapner. Even on a day where the Awaken America stocks roared and most of the COVID winners sat on the sidelines, some of the work-from-home plays managed to pull vault to new highs. That's right. We'll take one that's been my favorite since it came out of the shoot. It's called CrowdStrike. It's a cloud-based cybersecurity company that's reported an incredible quarter last night. Big top-line beat and a surprise profit. Plus, management gave strong guidance for the current quarter and raised their full-year earnings forecast. Most people won't even give you a forecast anymore. No wonder the stock shot up 6.3% today, briefly hitting a new all-time high of $103.80 before we're pulling back to 98 bucks. I've said over and over again that CrowdStrike is exactly the kind of cloud-based security play that you'd expect to thrive in an environment where millions of people have been forced to work from home. But even I didn't expect the quarter to be this good. So don't take it from me. Let's take it with George Kurtz. He's the co-founder and CEO of CrowdStrike to learn more about the quarter and the company's prospects. Mr. Kurtz, welcome back to Man Money. Thank you, Jim. Always a pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you, George. You have a great provocative line in your conference call where you say the COVID-19 pandemic has created a breeding ground for cybercrime. Why is that? Well, typically what we've seen in the past when uh, folks are not at work is when cybercrime actually happens, right? And in, in this particular case, everyone was out of the office. Everyone was working remotely. And they're not protected by those corporate firewalls and those systems. 
And it's one of those areas where the bad guys are taking advantage of a global pandemic. Anyone will click on a link related to COVID. And with ransomware as a service so hot, there's so much money to be made. It's no surprise that cybercrime is up big time. All right, so let's understand that. Ransomware means you're going to have to pay somebody off. I always want to know, who the heck is it? I mean, is it a state? Is it guys who are really smart or just really bad bank robber types? Who knows how to do this stuff? Well, there's actually criminal enterprises that are set up like corporations. They have HR departments. They have uh, multilingual support. And in fact, they even have a rev share model. There's one very prolific group that has a 20% rev share model. They'll actually give you the ransomware platform. And if you're good and you make money, uh, it's a 20% rev share. George, that's, that's just ridiculous. That's more organized than, than organized crime. And you've managed to be able to, what, if you bust them, you go to the, you go to the equivalent of the FBI? How do you stop someone that good? Well, that's part of our solution, and that's what Falcon was built for, to, to not only stop nation-state attacks, but to also stop ransomware. And ransomware has is, is really moved into uh, an area where it impacts the resiliency of a business. We've seen some really big businesses that are not CrowdStrike customers that actually got impacted to the tunes of tens of millions of dollars and brought the, knees, brought the business down to its knees. So part of our solution at CrowdStrike is leveraging our AI architecture to be able to identify never seen before attacks and be able to prevent those attacks from actually taking place. You've got a slide in one of your presentations that AI, just so people know, the more you, you use it, the smarter it gets. How come that's the case? Well, the more data that you consume, the greater the efficacy is. So the greater the prevention rates uh, you can achieve. Now, it's not all that hard to get great prevention. What's really hard is to get great prevention and low false positive rates, which is why we consume so much data, just one element of, of our platform. So the more we consume, the smarter it gets, the better the outcome and the lower the false positive rates. OK, so let's say I'm a bad guy uh, and I want to go after a semiconductor chip manufacturer uh, with an expansion into a major U.S. or a major U.S. airline. What am I trying to get at and what does CrowdStrike stop? Well, from a nation state perspective, there's many valuable pieces of information that any of those companies have specifically related to intellectual property. So chip manufacturing, think about 5G, how valuable that is, right? What are the latest plans? How can uh, another nation uh, gain a competitive advantage? Uh, when we think about uh, airlines, you know, what are the movements of people? Where are they going? And, and how do you tie that back to uh, potential um, government uh, intelligence agencies and their movements. And then when you think about COVID-19, there's nothing that is more valuable than the formula to cure COVID-19, right? Or the vaccine um, or the therapeutic drug that someone can come out with. So those are all hot topics. And I can tell you that the pharma industry is very concerned about these sort of attacks. And, uh, you know, again, that's why we've seen attacks dramatically rise just over the last three months. George, we've heard the White House say that they are trying to steal our vaccines. And they are trying to steal our 5G information. This must be stuff that CrowdStrike under, un, uncovered. Well, we've stopped uh, many breaches. Uh, last year, 35,000 in-process breaches. And, and that's not malware. That's actually hands-on keyboard where ha had we not been there, there would have been a breach condition uh, at a customer. So that's incredibly valuable to our customers. And not only is that valuable, but with the single agent architecture of our platform, it's being able to replace many other agent-based security products in their environment, which really drives 
a tremendous return on investment uh, for the purchase of CrowdStrike technology. All right, well, let's talk about the return on investment. I'm sure there's some people today who are saying, look, they're starting to go back to restaurants. They're starting to go out. They're starting to do things. They're not staying at home. I think that the gains in CrowdStrike are unsustainable because work from home will no longer be the uh, best way to do things. What do you say? How do you respond to people who say that work from home peaked yesterday? Well, I can tell you what I do know, and I do know for sure we're not going to go back to the same way things were done before COVID-19. Now, what the future holds, obviously, anybody's guess, but I'll give you my view. I think it will be a hybrid environment. You're going to have some folks go back to work. You're going to have split shifts. But I don't call it work from home. I call it work from anywhere. And that's a movement. And really, that's a subset of digital transformation. And digital transformation is not a one-time hit. It's a very sustainable trend. I'll give you an example, Jim. As part of our 100 by 100, we met with 100 customers uh, in 100 days, and I talked to a CIO, and as part of that process, I said, tell me about your digital transformation roadmap. And he said, we had a two-year roadmap that we executed in one night in March, in one night. So that's a sustainable trend. That's not a one-time hit, Jim. Well, look, I, you know, I totally agree with you. I've taken some heat from some other people in the industry by saying that CrowdStrike's the worst to bet on. But it's because of the work you've done, George. You're really remarkable. And I do think when you put yourself up there with that chart, Salesforce, ServiceNow, Workday, it is deserving that CrowdStrike, because you were not born yesterday. You've been around for nine years. And I think that you've okay. done a terrific job. There's much more mad money ahead. Social distancing has benefited the owner of brands such as Green Giant and Ortega. But can the surge in sales of B&G Foods continue? I've got this CEO. Then I've always given the best ideas from you, America. I'm answering your questions on a real hot one. Vecto IQ that exploded. And I'm telling you what it says about the market, not just the stock. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with... Kramer. All right, how powerful is this rotation out of the safety stocks and into the awakened America place? Look at B&G Foods, which is a, a house of packaged food brands that you might recognize as Cream of Wheat, Ortega, Polliner, Vermont Made, B&M Beans, B&G Pickles, Pirates Booty, or Green Giant Canned and Frozen Vegetables. This is a stock that's been on fire for months as part of the COVID-19 stockpiling trade. Then B&G announced some incredible May sales numbers this morning with 50% plus revenue growth year over year. And they got it for much higher than expected numbers in the whole second quarter. Yet what happens after rallying this morning? The stock actually closed down one cent today. Hey, that's the rotation speaking. But does it really make sense to sell after such astonishing numbers and with a big yield? Let's take a closer look with Ken Romanzi, the president and CEO of B&G Foods, to get some more color on how it's business is doing and where it's headed. Mr. Manzi, welcome to Mad Money. Jim, thanks so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm a big fan. Oh, thank you, Ken. Okay, so you had uh, an incredible period. You basically pre-announced today, and it, it you had the um, the best single March, uh, last week of March in history? Uh, it was a record uh, sales week for us. It came after the last half of March of generating 90% consumption increases in the last few weeks of March versus the prior year. And it really has continued, not quite at 90%, but over the last 11 weeks, our consumption as measured by Nielsen's up 50% versus prior year. Okay. And, and, and as you can see, it's continuing in this, into the second quarter with the first two months off to a great start at plus 57%. So 
our portfolio is just responding very well and, and right there for consumers uh, as they're uh, cooking and eating more at home. All right. So, Ken, we got to figure out how much is sustainable. People just decided, you know what, it's, it's fun to be at home. How much is, you know what, I'm looking at these new green giant products like the cauliflower, which is quite delicious, and I want to pivot to those. And how much of it might go away just because it is fun to have a night out? Well, first of all, um, we don't expect 60% growth numbers to continue forever. Um, but we do um, look to the industry experts that are talking about how fast will consumers go back to restaurants? I, I get What I would say was, as long as people are going to be eating out a little less, as long as people are going to be staying home a little bit more and working from home, our portfolio was perfect from green giant vegetables to breakfast more at home. The more people are at home, they're eating more at breakfast. So our, our cream of wheat hot cereal and our McCann's Irish oatmeal are still growing, even as we entered the warm um, spring and summer months, are still growing at 30 and 40 percent. So as long as people are going to eat out a little less and work at home a little bit more, um, we believe there'll be better post-COVID trends than there were trends coming into the COVID crisis. Okay, so, Kim, when I was reading the verbiage, uh, some of the stories ahead of what happened with the pandemic, there were some people who were questioning whether you could maintain that large dividend. Had you not had this spurt, would it have been under consideration that maybe the dividend had to be cut? Uh, Jim, we, uh, as you know, this company was built uh, to, to grow through accretive acquisitions of high margin, good cash flow brands and use a significant amount of that cash flow to return to shareholders. So uh, management and the board. And as I became CEO, believe you me, the board made sure I was totally committed to the company's strategy of uh, paying a significant portion of our free cash flow out in dividends. So um, while we ran in a little tightness last year because of working capital um, uh, uh, investments, um, we had a plan to to, to um, both not not just more than cover our dividend, um, but also begin to chip away at our, our leverage level because we got a little higher than what most people were comfortable with. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. As you said, I studied the company for a long time. And the Green Giant acquisition, I always thought, was a steal. But what's happened with these lines extensions that you've done, and I know you're going to do more frozen, uh, maybe keep can, but it, this is such, it can be such a dominant brand. I wonder whether you need so many of the other brands. Uh, do they uh, take up too much of your, let's say, mental time? Well, you know, that's a question that um, people have been asking me ever since I arrived at B&G. And, you know, we have a great stable of steady eddy brands that are that are so such consistent performers and generate a lot of cash flow. So we don't see a many of them distracting us. Um, and, you know, we're we're a serial acquirer. We're not we don't have to hang out the for sale sign all that much. Um, but Green Giant now is a significant portion of our business, a third of our business. And it's our largest brand. Um, and we plan on it to continue to be our fastest growing brand. And as you can see, these these new products and, and you know, we love cauliflower. We think it's the magic ingredient. We're we're line extending and, and offering new products, not just to reinvent frozen vegetables, but to take plant based uh, vegetable forward products and and go after carb replacement. So our our veggie rice and our cauliflower tots and now our new veggie hash brown and cauliflower gnocchi and pizza crusts. These are all not just new vegetable products, but new products made from vegetables. And we're, we're very excited about that pipeline. Hats off to B&G. I wasn't here when they did it. When they reawakened Green Giant in the fall of 2016 and launched those new products, those first new products since 2016 have cumulative, cumulatively delivered over $500 million in retail sales. And that's just the first three segments. So 
our innovation pipeline, um, as far as the eye can see, is something we're very excited about. And the now, Green Giant brand can really carry it off. Now, some of them, I mean, I, I happen to love the old London because I was growing up and that's what my mom served. And I love all the different flatbreads that you have. Uh, but I thought that this back to nature was very much in keeping with what I'm seeing with Beyond Meat. So you've got whole ends of the supermarket now that you have a, a good placement in. You know, you know, Jim, we're, we're actually in over 80 percent of households, at least one B&G brand. We are in actually every food aisle of the store and actually one non-food aisle. We actually have StatiGuard. That's our one non-food product. So we're in every aisle of the store. We're in a lot of households and we're just beginning to scratch the surface of how we can cross promote products. So, for instance, we'll be launching a line of Green Giant frozen vegetables made with Mrs. Dash inside. Um, So you don't even have to add it on your own. So there's so much more we can do with this with this great portfolio of brands. And not all brands are going to be traded equally. We're going to really lean in on about a half a dozen of our brands to drive growth like Green Giant, Ortega, Mrs. Dash, Back to Nature. Um, And then there's a whole bunch of brands that are just steady Eddie that are that are maintenance um, that turned into very high consumption during this crisis. And we're hoping now can show a little bit more organic growth in the future that than they had in the past, because we are seeing that new households are entering into our franchise and they're they're repeat purchasing. So what we've seen, other than that little blip in March, um, we're not seeing pantry loading. We're seeing uh, uh, car loading, refrigerator and pantry loading and then consumption and back for more. Well, I like that. Uh, stock hit a high today. It's got 8% yield. Ken, it's so great to have you on. We had so many people ask about the stock for a long time. We didn't know enough. Now we know. And it's great to see you. Thank you so much, Ken Romanzi, President and CEO of B&G Foods. Good to meet you, sir. Thank you so much, Jim. A real pleasure. Well, guys, look, it's in my house. It's in my executive producer, Regina Gilgan's house. And I think that some of these products are here to stay. Uh, many of them. And many of them have always been here. Bad money's back in. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dead over the lightning round. Here's my Jay in California. Jay. Hi, Jim. Jay from Irvine, California. All right, Jay. I've been been watching your show for 15 years, and this is my first time calling in. All right. I'm a dermatologist, so I don't work with them directly, but what do you think of Edwards Life Sciences? I like Edwards Life Sciences, but you must understand that right now that stock is going to be under distribution. Why is it going to be distribution? Because it is not fitting with the Awaken America trade, but I bless it when it comes down because they've got the best, absolute best medical equipment. Joe in West Virginia. Joe. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Booyah, Joe. Hey, what are your thoughts on Flex LTD? Oh, boy, they were in the doghouse a while for accounting, but I think everything's come around, and I still see them being used by a lot of companies. I'm going to say that's a lot. I like that idea. Let's go to Charles in Georgia. Charles. Hey, Booyah, Jim. How booyah. are you? All right, how are you? All right. Listen, I'm in uh, retirement, and I'm still searching for a great dividend and growth stock. Okay. I'm up 12% on Microsoft, but it keeps drifting away. Can I, can I do better? No, no, Microsoft's terrific, and I believe you can be bigger. I think Microsoft fits the pattern of what this market wants, even as it is not a deep cyclical, which obviously like a free port is going to beat it right now. I have CX, but I like Microsoft. Let's go to Daniel in New Jersey. Daniel. 
Jim, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I know this week hasn't been a week for tech, but while it was late getting into the cloud computing sector, the database company's Gen 2 Cloud has been said to be far superior to the competition, including AWS, or big businesses with its current low P&E and future outlook of the cloud computing sector. What's your opinion of Oracle for the long term? Um, for the long term, it's okay. I, I do think... I mean, Eric Yuan Eric says some good things about Oracle in his conference call uh, when, when he was discussing Zoom. Uh, I think it's okay. I mean, there's so many others that I think are better. I, I, I think it's just okay. Let's go to Victor in Texas. Victor. Jimmy Chill, thank you for taking my call. Thanks for all you do. All right. Thank you, buddy. What's up? All right. So every time I go to somebody's house, they got a Roku. Is Roku a buy? Roku's long. You want to be long, Roku. I'm fine with Roku. I think it's good. But, again, Roku is a stay-at-home stock in an era where you suddenly decided we don't have to stay at home anymore. So I expect it to be under pressure short term. Guy in New York. Guy. Booyah, Jim. It's Booyah. been a while. I hope you and your family have been safe and well. All good. Thank you. Hope same. Thank you very much. I'm conflicted on Akamai, A-K-A-M. Yeah, I don't blame you for being conflicted because, you know, the stock's had a very big run, and it seems it's kind of stalled out. And, you know, these computer networks, I think the delivery networks are okay. I'm not going to rave about it. I'm just not going to rave about it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Last week, Kyle in California called in to ask about a company called Vecto IQ. It's a special purpose acquisition vehicle that's merging with Nikola Motor, the electric truck startup. The deal happens tomorrow. Oh, man, this is a smoking red hot stock that's exploded higher in recent weeks. So I promised you a little more homework and then circle back to it. And boy, I know people are really interested in this thing. It turns out there's more going on here than just one deal. Lately, we've seen a host of these special purpose acquisition vehicles, they call them SPACs, catch fire in a way that I find, let's just say I find them borderline disturbing. It feels so frothy. When you see these super speculative stocks exploding higher, that's not a good sign. It means the rally might be reaching the end of its trajectory. I know if you're in it, you don't want to hear that, but I'm just speaking historically, okay? Before we get into the ramifications, though, you need to understand what's going on here. So let's start with a special purpose acquisition vehicle. What the heck does that mean? These are basically piles of money that list on a public exchange in order to make acquisitions. I want you to consider them like blank checks. Usually it takes a year, a year and a half, two years before they even do a deal, at which point shareholders are really just betting on the executive's ability to spot a bargain. If they don't find anything worth buying, they dissolve themselves. Investors get their money back. In recent years, we've seen more and more of these special purpose acquisition vehicle IPOs. 2014, they raised less than $2 billion in total. Last year, they raised $13.5 billion, in part because there's just so much cash floating around the system, or at least there was before the March meltdown. Now, I don't have anything against special purpose acquisition vehicles as a concept. But you have to understand that this business model has changed. In the old days, SPACs were typically roll-ups. They'd make a series of smaller acquisitions to build a dominant position in an entire industry. Okay, I'm not crazy about roll-ups, but it makes some sense to me. Lately, though, we've seen something different, where they do a big, flashy, high-profile merger with a larger company, usually one that's structured in an incredibly complex way. Not, it's called opaque. 
Often it's done as a way for startups to list their stocks publicly without going through the IPO process. Now, this is what happened with that thing, Vecto IQ, Nikola Motor deal in the end. And we've seen uh, other examples. Yeah, Virgin Galactic was one of these. So is DraftKings. Now, we've seen a pattern with some of these flashier SPAC names. Their stocks tend to spike going into the merger. And then immediately after, but past experience tells us these spikes are temporary. And that's why I'm getting nervous when I see this Vecto IQ and the DraftKings roaring here. So let me give you some examples. A few years ago, a SPAC called Platform Specialty Products came public, and that had the goal of rolling up the chemical space. Platform is now known as Element Solutions. But you can see the trajectory, plain and simple. The stock tripled from 10 to 30 in 2014 as investors got excited about their game plan. This That's like Vecto IQ, okay? And then it collapsed back to the mid-teens. These days, it's borderline irrelevant. Second, there's Nomad Foods. Now, this is one of the most successful special purpose acquisition vehicles around. But even Nomad had a huge and unsustainable spike after the stock came public in 2015. Early on, the stock surged up to 22 before collapsing back to the mid-teens. Since then, Nomad's worked its way back to the 20s, but it's taken years. And you're better off buying this one at the bottom than at the top. The best example, though, is Virgin Galactic. Okay, this is space. Late last year, a SPAC called Social Capital Hedosophia merged with Branson Branson's space tourism company, Virgin Galactic. This is one of the most speculative stocks I've ever seen, as space tourism is a long way from being a profitable industry. However, when President Trump reached a preliminary trade deal with China last December, a lot of super speculative stocks caught fire. And they kept running over the course of January and February until they ran headfirst into COVID-19. At the time, I warned you that the strength in Virgin Galactic was a sign of froth. Sure enough, the stock came plummeting back to earth along with the rest of the market. It's never really recovered, although I know people always get excited about it. And I don't blame them. This is a bull market in exciting stocks. These days, we've forgotten about Virgin Galactic. Instead, speculators have moved on to DraftKings, which came public via merger with a special purpose acquisition vehicle called Diamond Eagle in April. When that deal happened, the stock had already run from 10 to 17. Since then, DraftKings has kept soaring. You know, it's peaked at almost 45 yesterday before pulling back from its highs. It's now at 40 bucks. You should know I really like DraftKings the business. I totally understand the excitement for the sports gambling play as more and more leagues announced that they're reopening. I saw you know, basketball opening in July. Well, wouldn't that be great for these guys? But, man, this thing has gotten way too hot for me. If you bought DraftKings after we last spoke to the CEO less than three weeks ago, you're nearly up 40 percent here. You know what you got to do when you're up that quickly? Come on. This is what you do. You ka-ching, ka-ching at least part of your position. You know what that's called? It's called being responsible. DraftKings has a terrific regional and national online gambling story, but these initial SPAC spikes tend to be short-lived. So do me a favor and take something off the table. They're not the whole position because I still like the story. And people could say, well, if you still like the story, why not take, why not take it off? Well, because I can be wrong. Finally, there's Vecto IQ, the SPAC I was asked about that's merging with Nikola Motor tomorrow. Nikola makes hydrogen fuel cell powered trucks. People love hydrogen fuel cells. I cannot tell you how many speculators have been burned over the years by betting on hydrogen fuel cells. Let's just say a lot. When this merge was announced in March, Vecto IQ was trading at $10, roughly the value of the cash it was sitting on. That's when you had to buy it. Since then, the deal was announced, so the stock has surged to 34 That's even bigger than the pre-deal run-up in DraftKings. Tomorrow, Vecto IQ becomes Nikola Motor. And the problem here is that Nikola Motor is impossible to value. They're working on an electric truck for next year and a hydrogen fuel cell powered truck for 2023, as well as the infrastructure that will be needed to make fuel cells viable. They've got a cool model of software as a, you know, it's just one of those businesses, SAA. Let's put it this way. You don't just buy the truck. You get the whole shooting match, okay? And the software as a service has even come to trucks. 
Now, Nikola's got a pre-order book of $10 billion. So if they can deliver on their plans, well, the business is worth a massive amount of money. And that's what the promoters are counting you believing. The obvious comparison here is Tesla. They're in an adjacent business. They're named after the same guy. Honestly, buddies. Plus, the founder and CEO, Trevor Milton, is a colorful, boisterous guy, not unlike Elon Musk. And I like those kinds of guys. I do. I like them. But how do you value a company that's not selling anything at all until next year when they may, their main business won't even get off the ground until 2023? Like most fuel cell stocks, Nikola Motor will trade on the headlines. And that only takes you so far. So we, when you invest in hydrogen fuel cell play, you're betting on a dream. That's a pretty high-risk proposition. But everybody has a right to dream. Honestly, though, the thing that really gives me pause here is a very, it's very simple. When a SPAC makes a big acquisition... They usually include an implied enterprise value for the combined energy to figure out who gets what stake in the business. For both DraftKings and Nikola Motor, the implied enterprise value was roughly $3.3 billion. Yet both of these companies are now worth over $10 billion. Hey, what's a triple among friends? Now, again, I like DraftKings. I'd be a buyer at lower levels. But the bottom line, you need to be careful with these red-hot special purpose acquisition vehicles that explode higher right out of the gate. The incredible strength in Vector IQ ahead of the Nikola Motor deal Hey, it makes me a tad concerned. Call me worried uh, that the market's getting out of control, not just this one. Just like when Virgin Galactic shot into the stratosphere in February. It's not a great sign. If history is any guide, Nicholas should be able to roar after the deal closes. Judging by my Nicholas-dominated Twitter feed, yep, I'm betting this one will jump big. But eventually, I expect the stock will give up most of these gains as we don't have any real sales here, let alone earnings. It's a blind check made out to a bunch of big thinkers. Fine, not yet bankable. Oh, and if it ends up getting hit, please blame me. I mean, don't blame me. The fault is not in this star, Jimmy the Chill. Oh, it's actually in yourselves. People will hate me for that. Can we cut that negative stuff out so everyone loves me? Oops, sorry, that's not the way it works on TV. How about Dylan in Virginia? Dylan. How you doing, Jim? Dylan, I'm, I'm doing well. Video. I'm calling about Residio Technologies, ticker REZI. They're a former Honeywell subsidiary that is a leader in supplying cloud infrastructure security tech. The stock has lost a lot of value since Honeywell spun it off, but trades at a price of sales around point, uh, 0.2, while the industry trades at a 2. Now, the CEO of ADT, one of the biggest clients, said in an earnings call they've witnessed right. a significantly higher sales conversion rate. But the strong attempt to buy security. Okay, well, look, Honeywell spun it off. Honeywell spun it off, and I told you to buy Honeywell, not these guys. This thing is down so low that I wouldn't bet against it. It's down 32%. It's kind of an interesting cats and dogs stock here for this particular moment. I'm actually going to say that it's right. I handed it all the way down, so I actually have the, uh, I've got the smart sheet to, oops, sorry, that's down 10. I've got the ability to be able to say I think it's right. I like your thinking, Dylan. I think you got horse sense. I want you to be a tad careful of SPACs that explode higher right out of the gate. And it makes me fear that some of this market, actually a lot of it after today, is a bit out of control. When I first heard where the S&P oscillator closed tonight, which is north of 11, I said to myself, wow, is that overbought? When I go back in history, it turns out that between 7 on the oscillator and, say, 10, that's a danger zone. But if it can ever really get over that, it usually means that the market is pretty placid. So we're going to be in the lookout for buys on the market decline. As you can tell, this rotation is vicious. You do not want to be in the stay-at-home stocks until we get better information after what we saw with Campbell's today and even with B&G, which did not go up, even though it reported great numbers. What's going up is 
the industrials. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Med Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day clearly and concisely in context and with perspective and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today.